Greetings, readers. This is the Recap Book Chat. We are thrilled that you're with us because reading illuminates your life like a star. As J.R.R. Tolkien said, little by little, one travels far. Welcome to the Recap Book Chat. We are so glad that you're with us. We are diving in to the classic Oliver Twist by the famous Charles Dickens, written in 1837 to 1838 as a monthly installment. That's how it was published. So this is, we're we're tackling this classic. Um, It was kind of hard to get into, but I'm really glad that I finished it. Well, what inspired us to read Dickens was Grace Bennett from the last bookshop in London. And she was all about Charles Dickens. And then you sent me this one uh, from all of a twist. And um, man, yeah. I, it was a hard read because he's, he's only a boy. And he has a hard life. And then, then Kate told me, well, go ahead and tell him about, his, about Charles Dickens' real life. Oh, yeah. I think, so it's not... It's not autobiographical in one sense, but in another, I think it is. And I think this was, it seems very therapeutic for him because he lived in, um, let's see, it says he was born in 1812 in England. Um, but he was, his, I think his dad was, uh, went to debtor's prison and he, there was like, apparently child labor was really bad at the time and he was forced um, and to do a lot of child labor things, um, and um, I, I, there was a turn. It doesn't really say what ha- I don't know exactly what happened, but somehow he got out of it and actually got to go to school for two years, and um, that's how he became was able to read and write and and go on to become a, a famous author. famous author. But he experienced um, some pretty horrible things, and it's interesting because one of the worst characters in the book is Fagin. And he actually worked with uh, in one of these uh, workhouses, I guess. Uh, someone named Bob Fagan. So I'm like, and he used that, and Man. he Whoa. pretty much what, what do you call that? Immortalized someone yeah. in literature as an evil person. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, yeah. Because I had heard that he worked. Um, so he wrote this book when he was 25, but when he was 10, he was working in a factory, mm-hmm. which it's hard to think of a 10 year old as working in a factory. So I, I wrote down a little bit of the first line because I thought it would be cool if we did a first line thing, but I just now, I just thought of this. But this is the first, not the whole first line because it's really long and I didn't want to copy it all, but yeah. among other public buildings in the town of Mudfog, it boasts of one which is common to most towns, great or small, to wit a workhouse. And in this workhouse, there was born on a day and a date, which I need not trouble myself to repeat, Inasmuch as it can be of no consequence to the reader. And that's kind of Dickens-ish. Mm-hmm. That's how he... It will be of no consequence. I'm not even going to repeat it. But that's how it starts out. So you're at a workhouse. And that's where Oliver's born. His mother just died. Um, and there, there is a lot of things. A lot of... I, I, what would you call it? Slang or just... Uh, I think popular sayings of the time that I didn't understand. Um, and your book did not have notes. My book had notes in the back. 
So, and I said, you can't read all the notes. She said, I don't have any yeah. notes. But, yeah, I had notes explaining what it meant. Like, it said that Oliver, born an orphan, brought up by hand, and in the back it said that was they he was bottle-fed. Mm-hmm. And just things like that was pretty uh, enlightening. You think it's the English, and we know it, you know, it's no big deal. But it was different, though. I think, different. We, I think we said... Or I maybe I don't know who, but we were talking about comparing this to Russian literature, and I actually think like Dostoevsky and Tolstoy is easier to read than Dickens. And yeah. what what do you think? Well, probably because he he's yeah maybe yeah maybe it was because I was uh, using more brain cells on the Russian one. I, maybe I was overconfident on this one or something. But I, yeah. I feel like. The British, which is so cool. I love this. That, that but they do have different uh, vocabulary. They have a, they they almost have like a language inside of a language. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the Russia the Russian literature was pretty straightforward. They didn't have a lot of twists and turns like he does. I mean, you know, yeah. Like, when they said something, it was you know it was kind of this is how they said it. You know, there wasn't a lot of what do you call those idioms or yeah things like that. Well, I mean, even in some of them, his spelling is now, it's obsolete. Mm-hmm. Like, frenzy, he spelled it P-H-R-E-N-S-Y. And so I thought, is that a different word? When I looked it up, it said obsolete spelling of frenzy with an F. Mm. So, it was interesting. But don't let that deter you, because it's, oh, it's a, a challenge, but it's cool. And you still get the idea, like, usually you can figure out kind of the meaning of what was being said. Oh, the gist. Yeah, by get context clues. So, the characters are, of course, Oliver Twist, who, uh, the, Mr. Bumble gave him that name. It's, some people are surmising because they thought, uh, he would twist at the end of a rope, because I wrote that down between the years of 1801 and 1835, they actually were um, giving death sentences to children wow. under the age of 14 for stealing. Wow. So um, they thought since he was a pauper born in uh, a workhouse that he would twist. I'm glad that you pulled that out because I didn't, because when I'm reading it, I'm, so Mr. Bumble is a jerk and he's he's connected with the church there. Yeah, but he's, he's a beetle. Yeah, whatever, but he's... Whatever that means. I was like, a beetle? A be- they kept calling him a beetle. But he, he's in a position of power, which he loves, apparently, and is very rude to everybody. But he he gave him the name. And at the time, I was like, well, that's a really good name, you know? Until you said that. I went through the whole book thinking that's a good name. Until you said that. And I'm like, Then oh. he gave it with evil intent. Yes. And then also, when, when you look, I've seen some infographics on Oliver Twist. All the people on this book that are bad are hefty. Because Oliver's really thin, because he's starving. Mm. So, I think because Dickens went through that himself, that's why he has that portrayal of someone that's big and portly, like Mr. Bumble. Mm-hmm. But, he, but he gave him a name, Bumble. Mm-hmm. So, he... And he did get his comeuppance because he was mean and everything to Oliver, but he married a lady who was mean to him, mm-hmm. which uh, was, that's tongue in cheek. Yes. I mean, it came back and got him. I love how he, uh, he does wrap it up nicely at the end where people get what they deserve. Yeah. Most so. of the bad people get caught and the good people, you know, it, it, so if you want a, a happy ending, but you do have some gruesome things because I mean, so Oliver has to, 
go he, he goes quite a way is he like 10 years old when finally mm-hmm. someone is nice to him yes. no one has been nice to him no, no, no nice kindness yeah. no kindness and um he he went he ran away from mud fog and how far was london it was like 70 miles and he made it in 7 days mm-hmm. which was, and that's where he meets the artful dodger who's renowned i mean i've heard of the artful dodgers i've never read the book i know some people might have seen the musical or the film adaptation, the the cartoon version. Yeah. Oliver and Company. Yeah. So, Dodgers I mean, in there. It's kind of iconic. Yes. You know. So, we, everybody kind of knows the story that Fagin... But it's been twisted. Yeah. Because, like, in the Oliver and Company, Fagin's not necessarily a bad guy. I mean, he's a, he's a poor man mm-hmm. who steals and just, like, you know. So, I, it's... I like... It's so cool that we got to go back to... How the, it, original. the original, how did it start, you know, because everyone has their own take on it, and they've twisted it. <laughs> <Da-da-da>. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. And but, then you had us watch the movie, and uh, with Alec Guinness as Fagin, and they put gave him a nose, a beyond a nose, so it was kind of fun to make a, I did make a Venn oh, diagram. Yeah, so. we, we watched the 1948 film adaptation of Oliver Twist. Which I feel like it was really well done. I feel like the director did a good job of capturing um, kind of the darkness of mm-hmm. everything. You know, yes. it was very depressing and, you know, to see uh, what Oliver went through. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they did a good job of pulling that And they out. pretty much matched it until the end. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of left. Uh, the, the first part of it kind of went uh, in sync with the book. And then at the end, because you meet... Um, Oliver and then Oliver's taken to the uh, Artful Dodger takes him to meet Fagin and then there's Charlie Bates and there's these boys that Fagin's teaching to steal and they're out on a I guess it would be a tutorial session with um with Oliver and he gets blamed for I think it was a handkerchief yes a handkerchief that um the Artful Dodger stole and so Oliver is running and running, and they're saying, stop, thief. And he didn't even do anything. No. But he's running, and he gets punched and stopped and taken to the police. And that's where you meet Mr. Brownlow, who is the protagonist, I guess. He's mm-hmm. the protector. He 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 doesn't want to press charges. And But what did you say that was interesting? I thought about what the people, how the people reacted. Yes. That was fascinating that it's, they don't just rely on the police. The police are involved, but the people, they work together to get, if someone's a thief or later on there's a murderer, they like, they are, the whole city is chasing, or the whole neighborhood are working together. They're chasing him. People are saying, it's over there. And they're working, this huge group of people to, to serve justice in a way. And that was really interesting to see because we don't, most of the time, we don't have that now. It's like, oh, that's the, the police job to... Oh, yeah, we have people yelling for help, and people are filming it on their phone, but yeah. nobody's calling 911. And back so. in, I mean, people are... They're running. They're yeah. helping. Like, let's capture this guy. But when uh, Oliver faints there, and uh, Mr. Brownlow takes him home with him, and kind of, and you meet his uh, housekeeper, and she's a jewel, mm. and she loves Oliver, and all is well. And you think, oh, finally, he has a nice place. But what happens? Uh, he goes out on an errand and he gets kidnapped or abducted by the same group. Fagin, 
and that whole group they they got him again. They got him again. And enter another character, monks. You want to tell him about monks? He's a, um he's he, it's weird. You don't know what he's doing. It even talks about him foaming at the mouth. Yeah, unsavory. Well, in my book, it said he had epilepsy. Oh, okay. It said seizures and stuff like that, and it does say, and that might be part of why he's a dark man, because, you know, they wouldn't have had any medication, but then when you read on that his mother was a real bitter person, so I think he was just bitter, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's what the foaming at the mouth was. Should we disclose who Monks is, or is I don't know if you'd want to, because in all of the, that never really comes up in, like, the... Disney version, yeah, and all that. I don't know what. If anyone might want to read, might want to be surprised. Yeah, uh, we'll, but, we'll uh, leave that as a. Monks yeah. does play an important part. He's an integral part. Yeah, as is, and there's uh, the Maley family. So another time when, believe it or not, the the bad people get Oliver back. And um, then they get him to rob. They want to send him through windows so he can open them. So and rob. And he doesn't want to do that. Oliver does not want to do anything wrong. He kind of has an, an angelic turn. And to how him. I don't know. I really don't know. Well, they say God takes care of children, yeah. and in this instant, and when he gets shot, he goes to the people's house they were robbing. You know, and you would think, well, they just shot him, so they're not going to help him, but they do. Mm-hmm. And so, once again, he's met with kindness. So, I mean... Um, well, he was... He he said, I'm not going to rob. And, like, and so they made him go into this house to rob or to go open the door for them. He was going to go tell the people of the house what was happening, and they shot him. So, the poor guy, like, you just... He's like, he can't catch a break. But he does catch a break. And so, some of his writing... This is one thing he said about Mr. Bumble's soul. He said his soul is waterproof like washable beaver hats. Mm. And that would be true for mm-hmm. Mr. Bumble. And oh, Mr. Brownlow's quote was, and he was the nice guy, there are books of which the backs and covers are the best parts, which I thought was funny. <laughs> and then we were talking about the people that um, shot... Uh, this is one of the funny quotes from um, the people that shot. And so Brittles is a worker... For the household that was being robbed that he was a part of. Uh, But it's funny because it says, um, Brittles always was a slow boy, (laughs) ma'am, replied the attendant. And seeing by the by that Brittles had been a slow boy for upwards of 30 years, (laughs) there appeared no great probability of his ever being a fast one. (laughs) So it's funny because he was, he had worked for them forever, but he's, you know, those people that just move at a slower pace. And that was Brittles, so... And I had another quote that was, oh, and I can't, I didn't write down where this was, but it was in the book. Death, fire, and burglary make all men equals. Mm, that's well, a good quote. Yeah. And I thought, well, that is true because it, and in there somewhere it talked about how society treat, I was thinking how society treats the worst off members says a lot about the society. Ooh. And don't you think that? Oh. And that's like used to, like in the pioneer days, if someone had a fire, then everybody gets together and they raise the house. They have a house raising or a barn raising or something. And that's what you want to hear. You want to hear that kind of stuff. But Well, stuff. I'm glad you pointed that. That's a great, because I think that was Dickens, kind of his whole point of the book. To show that the the impoverished people were treated like criminals, it was it was a it's a bad 
it was not a good system. Um, and then it's funny because, you know, we read, like, the, we were in the New Testament now, but in the Old Testament, like, the system that God set up for the Jewish people was very much taking care of the poor. Like, how did they, you know, it was about leaving grain there and yeah. about releasing indentured servants every seven years, seven years. and six, six or seven. It, it was set up in a to, in a way to not keep people impoverished if we if they wanted to get out if they followed that that's the problem i think we have people that you know like one of his quotes that we saw and i don't think i wrote that one down but it was about how you dress they judged you mm. they, and they used to like kings were supposed to be big Yes. Because that meant you're successful as a king. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I remember that old Batman series, King Tut was huge. Yeah. I think, no way is he fitting in a sarcophagus. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you were supposed to be big. Yeah. Because that was your success. So, what did you what did you rate it? What was your... I gave it four and a half stars because it is a classic. And uh, every time I think about... Mark Twain, because classics are books people talk about, but nobody ever reads. Wait, high but, five. We're together, too. Yeah, high five. Yeah. We're actually in person, so. But we read it. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, Mark Twain. I was like, hmm. But um, I think he did a good job, and he's 25 years old when he's writing this. And coming from dire circumstances, and I think it's really, it, it was, uh, he, he evolved as a writer. Mm-hmm. I would like us to read, like, Tale of Two Cities or Great Expectations later Christmas on. Carol, which was yeah. one of his later ones. Yeah. yeah. To compare the two. David Copperfield. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I think it was just really, um, I, I don't know, I, I, I liked it. So, that, that's why I said four and a half. How about you? I said four. And I, I liked it. And I'm glad that we read it. And I said four... Because it was, like, for me personally, I'm not really, you know, condemning the book. You know, it's a great book. But for as in just kind of what I was able to get out of it this time. If I read it again, I might I might go five, you know. But yeah. it, it is a great, it's a great read. It really is. And it's it it's a classic for a reason, you know. Mm-hmm. Because it, it pulls out of a lot of important things and... Well, didn't you say the British people say every kid should see this book by the age of 14 or yes. read this or yeah. see this movie mm-hmm. or whatever? Yeah. Yes. So Dickens had a quote that said, No one is useless in this world who lightens the burden uh, of it to anyone else. And I'm thinking someone in his life probably did was a Mr. Brownlow. Oh, for sure. He probably had Mr. Brownlow's. He probably had Fagin's because you said he did, he did yeah. have a Fagin. So... Uh, I would I would be interested to read like a a more autobiographical biographical thing of his life, you know. Well, cuz you found this quote from Dickens, I have been bent and broken, but I hope into a better shape. Now, in the book, Oliver's pr- portrayed as just um very mild-mannered and um and the the famous quote from the book is that he wants um more he would like more, please, sir. That's the famous quote. He's asking for more gruel. Well, and he didn't want to. He drew this the short straw yeah. because they're the, these kids are starving. But and so he gets switched, and then another time he gets switched, and he never really fights back from that. But one time this, uh, and he was a orphan too. This one boy, Noah Claypool. Okay, what was uh, it, they called him Charity Boy? 
So I was curious about the difference. Well, he knew, I don't know, maybe he wasn't an orphan, but he was someone, his family was in was in dire straits. So maybe he was, um, he knew his family. So mm-hmm. he felt like he was superior to Oliver. No. And he starts talking about uh, Oliver's mom. And man, Oliver tore into him like a windmill in a tornado. Yeah. And I I was kind of glad. Yeah. Yeah. He he busted he, his nose. I was like, good. Well, because he'd been, you just didn't know if Oliver even had a spark in him. I yeah. mean, the poor guy. And then so, that's what made him run away mm-hmm. for, to London. Yes. Because of that right there. And I thought, uh, you know, here here's somebody where you, what, it doesn't, kindness really doesn't cost you anything. No. But Noah was, uh, and they wouldn't give him any food even there. And that was when he was working for Mr. Sourberry, who was the undertaker, who wasn't bad. Well, they did give him, they gave him well, the dog's food. The dog's food, which was more than he was getting at the workhouse. Yeah. So he was. So here's my question, because when you see that they're getting money from the government to feed the orphans, it kind of connected, and the orphans don't get it, Mm-mm. right? So do you remember when we read Unbroken? So they gave money to the POW camps to feed the prisoners, Ooh. but the prisoners never got it. Good connection. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, yeah, Red Cross. They had they sent so many supplies, and the, yeah, POW never got never it. Never so got it. If you have someone that's evil in that kind of leadership power, role, yeah. then it can go awry. And that that was... Very sad. Very sad. I so, that, I mean, there has to be systems in place for that not to happen, I guess. Because you can't trust for there not to be someone who would do that, you know? Well, that's just like a crooked cop. Mm-hmm. You need a cop to be honest and, you know, just like... Yeah. You, you don't need a crooked cop because they have power. Mm-hmm. Or a, a politician. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they need to be... If you're looking out for um, people, you need... but. The more people put the Bible on the back burner, because our founding fathers they used the Bible to make the Constitution, so mm-hmm. and develop morals. Yeah, and they came from Britain, so they left Britain and they wanted something better here. Mm-hmm. But and they started it out and it worked as long as we adhere to that. Mm-hmm. But when we start kind of changing it and rewriting it, you know. But I I was so. What was your most memorable? moment of the book that stuck out to you well i really liked it when uh at the 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 moment when uh oliver's in court and they ask him his name and he's weaving because he's fixing to pass out you know he doesn't he hasn't any food he just got punched in the face i mean a lot of things and um when mr brownlow just picks him up and takes him home with him and then his um housekeeper takes care of him and everything that was since that was his first bit of kindness. Yes. That was... And I, finally, I felt like I was holding my breath the rest of the book. And I was like, oh, okay. So someone's going to be nice to him, finally. What about you? It takes a while to get to that point. Oh, yeah. And you kept kind of dragging in the book. And I'm like, are, are, how are you doing on Oliver Twist? Well, uh, well... Uh, yeah, they got beat up again. Well, he's still starving. <laughs> and it, it was hard. So I think what, my most memorable is when he got shot. Because that... I, was, I couldn't believe he got shot. I mean, that was just really memorable. And, then and in he, the movie, he didn't get shot. And he gets dumped. So he gets shot. And then the one of the robbers is carrying him and then dumps him. And so you're like, well, like, is someone going to... And then he's, 
he's left out and it's snowing or raining or something yeah. and he's left outside all night long i'm like i don't know how he survived yeah and then you're waiting to see is he gonna but you know he's gonna make it because it he does have a sturdy sturdy spirit yeah i mean really grit extremely gritty and i'm thinking where did he get that inside but i i wonder if that's inside all of us when we meet hardship mm-hmm. we have to meet hardship to strengthen it like you said i've been bent uh dickens himself says i've been bent and did he say broken broken bent and broken but i hope into a better shape you get to thinking about it you can't be tough inside if you have never had anything to work on that you know what i'm saying well but let me ask you this so i think sykes and fagan they had a rough life they they probably were victims of bad things too is why they ended up there so what's the difference there has to be a choice at some point there is because yeah. just like oliver had a choice to become to a steal. robber yeah so it's like i think i think because and they were tough they were gritty yeah but but not but uh, they were looking inward. Mm. Fagin was really greedy. Like, he hid all this money, and he got onto Oliver because, you know, he thought Oliver was wanting... Nobody was wanting... Oliver wasn't wanting anything. Yeah. You know. But he was looking inward mm-hmm. to himself, and so was Sykes. And I don't think Oliver ever was selfish. Mm-mm. He wasn't looking that way. He was in survival mode. Yeah. And they might have had a hard life, too, but they were thinking, I don't care who I have to... They remind me of Scarlett O'Hara. I don't care if I have to lie, cheat, (laughs) steal, or kill. I'll never be hungry again. That's where they were coming They do all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Because Melanie in Gone with the Wind, she she went through all that, but she didn't turn mean. Mm -hmm. But are you focusing inwardly on yourself? Are you fretting yourself? Like it says in Psalms 37, 8. Because if you do, it says, fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. So, if you're fretting, say, I don't like this. Okay, you're fretting yourself. So, mm-hmm. that's the problem, I think. And we get to see, and Nancy, we haven't talked about her. She's oh, a, yeah. She's a prostitute. And she's part of, she works under Fagin and with Sykes. And she's part of apprehending Oliver, unfortunately. Um, but then, I think... That made her go mad. She hears what they're doing, what they're wanting to do with Oliver, like turn him bad and all of this stuff. And then she's regretting that and everything. Um, and so, like, she, when when they went, when Oliver was fixing to be, re, went back in there, she went and said he was her brother or something mm-hmm. and got him back. And then that's when she, she snapped. And then she just kind of went a little bit crazy. So well, I think I, that I don't know woke about her up crazy, but inner turmoil. And yeah. so, but she comes to that what we're saying that you you have a choice, and she's made and she's torn though because she's torn, she's but she torn. does make a good choice because she does go to Rose, who was the people that were stole. Were, no, they didn't get robbed, but were going to get robbed, mm-hmm. uh, and says, uh, you know, uh, she knows some things, and she was gonna going to help some, you know, enlighten them. And Rose says, well, we'll help you. Yeah. And she said something about... You had a quote with that. Yeah, I have... Oh, I want to I am chained to my old life. That's mm-hmm. what Nancy said. I thought that was so sad. It is so sad. Because you're never really chained, you know. But at least 
I mean, at that point, she was looking out for someone besides herself. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, because what she did was not for her benefit. It didn't help her at all. Mm-hmm. It hurt her in the end. Yeah. But it helped Oliver. Yeah. So. She was, it, it was all about Oliver at that time because mm-hmm. she knew. And another quote from, uh, I don't know if I said this one, I, from Dickens was, Happiness is a gift, and the trick is not to expect it, but to delight in it when it comes. Mm. So, you know, as a poor kid, you've got to have that because you can't expect it. That's the epitome of Oliver. He yeah. didn't expect it. He expected nothing. But when he got, when he had a, an ounce of happiness, even if it was the the food for the dog, yeah, he was like, oh, wow. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, you know, like, I remember a teacher telling me that they had them write, uh, kids write what they wanted for Christmas. And one little kid wanted underwear. She said she never had a kid want wow underwear i mean because most kids when they get clothes they go oh clothes mm. oh clothes but and i think that's why the british people would want oliver twist to be read by oh. kids and by yes. teenagers that yes. would be a good read for teenagers because my old man he didn't know anything well you read that and think whoa at least i have an old man yeah. i have a old lady which you know i think that was only in america those phrases of lack of respect which came about the Probably the 50s or 60s, you know, yeah. when they, free love, peace, and all that kind of stuff, is when the the family unit kind of, you know. You know, this, I wonder why this isn't required reading. I feel like this would be a good, a good high school read. Well, I think right now, we, that's a hard read, and I don't know. That is, it is a hard read. Well, I mean, I think we have kind of made our curriculum easy. Mm-hmm. We haven't made it harder, but we've made it easier. But the content is so valuable. Yeah, it's, it's good. If you can make it through it, it's like, especially, like you said, giving you a different view. Like, this is, it really makes you appreciate your life now. Well, I think that uh, if you're in a book club, though, you, I mean, in a in class would be like a book club. So what do, what do you think? Because I remember being in eighth grade, and I had this wonderful teacher. Her name was Miss Watkins. The woman made Romeo and Juliet come alive. I mean, come alive. And, you know, we all loved it. Boys, girls, nobody. We just couldn't wait to get to her class. Because we read it, and we didn't understand it. And then she'd go over it. And then, man, all the dots started lining up, and we could connect them, and we loved, we loved it. I mean, she was amazing, and I think that's what would happen here. You read it, and you got, but once you start talking about mm. it, because you and I had to talk about it, you say, well, we really, what happened? Why, you know? And that helped a lot. Yeah, yeah. You, well, when you, you helped me clarify a lot. Well, and you told me that that he actually was. And he was a poor kid and everything. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And then you look at look that up and you think, well, he lived it. They say write about what you know. Mm-hmm. And this is what he knew. He knew this. And there's a little line in there, and I didn't write it down, but where uh, Mr. Brownlow says um, something about you might write books. And remember, and our, oh, yes. Oliver doesn't want to do that. And I, I would try to sell them, sir. <laughs> And then uh, there was a funny guy that was Mr. Brownlow's friend, and he always has the phrase, I'll eat my head, mm-hmm. and all that. It was kind of like a dare when they sent Oliver out. M- Mr. What was his name? Grimwell. He said that Oliver wouldn't come back because Oliver had a new suit of clothes. He had money. He, and he saw him as a, as a thief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said, if he comes back, I'll eat my head. 
And so I thought, well, that's a weird terminology, mm-hmm. but I thought it was funny. And yeah, and, and um, Fagan himself has a bit of that's a, he's hard to read because he has I don't know how to say it, but it's I don't know if it's a speech impediment or something. But Alec Guinness did a good job in the movie of talking like him. But when you read that, that's hard. Yes. Because it, it might be a simple word that you know, and you're looking at it, but you're like, what is that? And it's, you know, because he talks funny. I don't know Well, what. and they call him the Jew. And so I... Well, that might be offensive to That people. might be, it might be offensive, but, and I was like at this, I'm like, is that, does that mean something else? When I'm reading the book, I'm like, does that actually mean like he was a Jew? Well, and apparently in the movie, it is. Like that was, I mean, I think that's exactly what he was, I guess, mm-hmm. was... Jewish because they gave Alec Guinness a, a prosthetic nose uh, to play the part. It was really big, and um, I think they they had some controversy over the, that movie for um, anti-Semitic stuff. Which I, I didn't see it as anti-Semitic. I, I just saw it as I mean he was of Jewish descent and had made bad choices. Yeah. He was not a good character, and that's not saying that. But you his know. nose made Danny Thomas's look like a button nose. <laughs> I mean, it was huge. But I was just like, really? I mean, I thought it was overkill. A little bit overkill. But, you know, it gave him a comical kind of a, a look, I thought. But I didn't know it was Alec Guinness. I can tell you that. I said, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi? Are you kidding me? Yeah. It just makes me wonder, though, like, I'm if I'm sure that Dickens had ran in, run, run-ins with characters like him mm-hmm. to have been able to write so vividly that this... He he was, and Fagin was kind of the mastermind. Oh, he was. Yeah, it was all. I first thought, you know, when you hear of the other, like the cartoon, you think Sykes is. You think Sykes. Yeah, I didn't realize it. But Sykes is under, because I asked you, I said, mm-hmm. who is, and you said, well, they're under Fagin. So Sykes is under him. Mm-hmm. But maybe bigger than him in stature. I and think. And younger and stronger. Sykes saw it as more of a partnership. Mm-hmm. But because Fagin was able to utilize Sykes however he wanted, he could manipulate Sykes. Yeah, Sykes was a thief, so he would steal and bring it back to Fagin, and Fagin would sell it. But you know, Fagin kept most of but it. But if Fagin you know? wanted someone killed or whatever, he could he could flip a switch in Sykes yeah. and make Sykes mad and, and do whatever he wanted yeah. to. So, so he he really was the mastermind. Yeah, I, Sykes all. was kind of like his dog, yeah. in a sense, and then, that, which is odd because. Bill Sykes had a dog mm-hmm. named Bullseye. Bullseye. That was mistreated. So, Which is kind of fun because after you finish Oliver Twist, if you go in, there's actually a Charles Dickens website and you can take the test. Say, how did oh, you do cool. on the Charles Dickens? And, uh, and that's one of the questions. What's the name of Bill Sykes' dogs? I said, really? Is that how deep we're going Because <laughs> that really wasn't a hard question. And they're not, they're not very hard questions. But, like, what is the Artful Dodger's real name and stuff like that? Would you recommend this book and why? Um, yes. I think this would make you um, appreciate... I mean, it, it'd have to be a pretty bad day for you to ever even have a, a single day like Oliver. What about you? I, I agree. I 100% would recommend it. And I feel like while reading this, I feel like I appreciated whatever I was eating. Oh, like, my goodness. I felt guilty eating. You're, I'm eating bread, and you're like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah you do. Too. I was like, like, oh, no. It's just a piece of celery. It's just a piece of celery. No. And then, like, chocolate. I was just like, yeah, I didn't even want to eat anything yet. If it, it, I was just like, ah, but 
definitely. So if you're on a diet, this would be a good thing to read. <laughs> definitely. Uh, because to me, uh, the and then in the movie, it really portrayed that just like what I thought. Because it, it acted like there wasn't anything in the soup. Yeah. The soup was just Water. like almost imaginary. And in the movie, it was. It was just, it looked like nothing. No. There wasn't a potato in that. There wasn't anything in that. So I, when I say gruel, that's not gruel. No. Gruel well, would be substance. a step up Yeah, from that. it would yeah. be. It was just heartbreaking. And they made, he was really thin in mm. the, in so when everybody, uh, I mean, I just, I don't understand. They kind of had it out for orphans, didn't? Didn't you think so? And so, and the, the powers that be. Yes, and because they, it was, it was this prejudice, and they talked about that many times about bad blood, like oh, oh that's so right. if you came yes. from, if if your mom was a prostitute or from a, a, an unwed mother or whatever. It's usually a situation that they didn't see as proper. Then it's like, you're no good. You're no good. So why they don't want to put anything into these people who are quote unquote oh, no okay. good? Well, I never really thought so about it. So it's almost that. like yeah. you're basically our time. being punished for the sins of your parents, mm-hmm. basically. Which God, God does not. No, do but that, I mean but that's yeah, that's that, the that gist makes of it. sense, and yes. it makes them feel like they're superior, superior, yeah, because they're from a bad bloodline, you know. And almost in, and you he, you hear that multiple times throughout the thing. Well, it's because, it's because of their bad blood, why they went bad. So it's like almost like there is no choice. Like oh, they can't help it. That's true. That would be like, yeah. Like you you since your dad was bad, then you're gonna be bad. Yeah. You know. So I think that was which is a powerful point that Dickens is using this book to show is that that's not the case. You know. Like, it's a choice. You have a choice. And I was kind of surprised because some of his writing is, like, so current. Because in one place it says, uh, think it's the same boy, stupid head? I mean, stupid head. And I was like, really? This sounds like it was written today, stupid Mm -hmm. head. You know, so, I mean, Solomon's right. Nothing new under the sun. But I think you'll feel like you accomplished something if you read it. What do you think? I, you you will feel like you accomplished something, and and Kate thought we should have a tea party since it was English, <laughs> so we had a tea party, a tea party, pip pip and all that. Yeah, but so, so if you uh, want to uh, challenge yourself, challenge yourself, pick up uh, the classic Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. You won't regret it. That's right, and that's a wrap. That's a wrap. See you on the next one. <laughs>